0: From Equality, Arizona, you're listening to the Arizona Equals Conversation, a podcast about queer people and queer communities in Arizona. I'm Gene Woodbury. I'm the Interim Executive Director at Equality, Arizona, and each week on the show, I talk with a queer person about their story. Today's interview with my guest, Canela Caro, is something really special. Early on, when I was planning this series, I kind of made a promise to myself not to ask the really typical coming out questions like what changed in your relationship to your family what changed in your relationship to your friends things like that because it falls right into the narrative that i think people project on to queer people that it's all about this one moment that it's all about showing the world who you've always known yourself to be and damn the consequences and it's not to say that that isn't actually a very common part of people's experiences But there's so much more going on. And that idea of projection is something we actually ended up talking about uh, in a a very different way in relation to Canel's experience as an immigrant and the story people expect from them because of that. But even beyond that, this isn't a story that fits an easy narrative. This is a story about radically reevaluating your relationship to queer people and queer community as part of a longer process of radically re-evaluating your relationship to yourself. And it was special for me as an interviewer to hear that story because it's something that I share and it's, it's not something I have found that I have in common with a lot of people. It's also really fascinating because we talk a lot about right-wing echo chambers and the effect that all right influencers like ben shapiro can have on very very young people using the internet there's a lot of complexity here and i'm so appreciative of Canella for for sharing all of that so openly on the podcast i think that you'll all really enjoy this episode and i want to get right into it so let's roll the tape
1: Hello, uh, my name is Canella. I go by she, they pronouns. Um, yeah.
0: Cool. Thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. While I was struggling to get this audio set up to work, you mentioned you've worked as an audio engineer before, uh, which made me feel kind of terrible.
1: <laughs> no, don't worry. I suck. <laughs> no.
0: But um, There's a
1: reason I don't do sound anymore.
0: Where were you doing that work?
1: Oh, um, it was an internship for this like itty-bitty venue down in like downtown tucson oh cool! Uh, yeah the venue used to be like this abandoned hotel that this guy turned into like a bunch of shops they had a bunch of like little artisan shops and played a bunch of live music and i helped out the main sound guy with that
0: that's really cool
1: yeah it was a lot of fun
0: how long did you work there
1: uh started working there in february uh last year and then stopped in july the same year
0: okay yeah and was that to move up here to Tempe?
1: Yeah, and also, uh, I was not being paid. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, and yeah. once, I, ne- I needed the internship for a project I was doing for my high school. I see, okay. And once that pro- project period ended, there wasn't really much need to keep doing it if I wasn't getting any sort of reward.
0: <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you can get the credit, then that counts, but otherwise, yeah. you don't want to do an unpaid It goes, job. It,
1: yeah, it goes on my resume, though, so.
0: That's probably. good, yeah. 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 So, did you grow up in Tucson then?
1: Um, I was born in Chile. I lived there for, like, the first three and a half years of my life. Oh, okay. Um, And then I moved to Arizona. So, I've been in Arizona all my life, basically, but not necessarily in Tucson. I used to live in, uh, over in Graham County. It's, like, bordering New Mexico. Uh, There's this, like, itty-bitty town, uh, very white town that I lived there for, like, the first, what, until I was about, like, nine. And then I moved to Tucson.
0: And that is this like a one thousand person town kind of thing, or it's
1: um, yeah there there were a lot of Mormons, um, and I was like the only person of color within like a five hundred mile radius. (laughs) Oh wow! (laughs) For a bit, like uh, it was me and this other this other girl who were like the only non white people around. Oh wow! So yeah, it was a pretty small town. Pretty tight knit, yeah.
0: Yeah. How long mm-hmm. were you there?
1: Uh, until I was about nine. So for like six ish years.
0: Oh, so a lot of formative. Yeah, development. yeah.
1: So yeah. like I spent a lot of my childhood there, but a lot of the important parts were here in Tucson.
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, do you have memories from Chile or kind really... of?
1: Um, because I mean, I did go visit every once in a while, to, you know, see family because all of my extended family is there. I only oh, okay. have my parents yeah. and my siblings in the United States. Um, so yeah, I do, I remember little things. Like, I remember the fruit magnets on the, on the fridge, the, like, the yellow walls. Oh, yeah. Dancing with my dad. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. You do always get the occasional random person comes up to you and goes, hey, I knew you when you were a baby. That kind of thing. (laughs) That kind of experience. But
0: I don't, I don't know you because I was a baby.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Infant amnesia kind of hit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was, I was... Even younger than that, when my family moved to Arizona, but mm. all my siblings are older than me, so they have more memories from uh, Pennsylvania is where we moved from. Mm. So they have more memories from there than I do. And it's interesting because there's like that family history in a place that I have no memory of, even though yeah. I'm technically from there. Yeah. Um, are are your siblings older than you or younger? Oh, than I'm you? the oldest. Yeah. Both, oh, okay. m- both
1: of my siblings were born here too. So okay. yeah, I'm I'm the first one to leave the nest.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That, that's an interesting position to be in, I think. Do you, do you have, like, pressure as, like, an older sibling role model?
1: Kind of, yeah. I mean, not, like, explicitly. Nobody's, like, my parents never, like, compared me, compared my younger siblings to me oh, or anything because okay. I was yeah. kind of the black sheep of the family. Um, oh, really? For now. <laughs> um, but there is that kind of obligation to be uh, a good example yeah which I haven't really been but (laughs) But, I feel
0: like also for a lot of people who come to the United States as a family there's extra pressure on the the kids to like really take advantage of like going to university here yeah
1: Uh, both of my parents they both went to university in fact I think my mom was, like, one of the first in her family for generations to go to university. Oh,
0: that's really cool. Because we
1: came from, like, the south of Chile, and it's more, like, countryside, rural kind of area. Yeah. So, yeah, they're very, like, academic-based.
0: Is that why they moved here?
1: My da- We moved here because my father was offered a job here. He's oh, been, okay. Yeah, the company he works for has, like, a branch in the... It's an American company and has a branch in Chile, so he was offered. We moved. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, like no american dream story or anything yeah just
0: it's a job and <laughs> yeah. now I'm here yeah you just kind of got that makes sense <laughs> mm-hmm. in arizona
1: yeah it was in arizona oh nice yeah okay. cuz uh, cool. copper mining is pretty popular here and in chile so oh that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: that's that's a that's a link that makes a lot of sense yes
1: yeah. yeah industry
0: mm-hmm. yeah i think it's interesting because uh, my my grandmas from cuba and mm. she moved here not for the reason most people from cuba have moved here mm-hmm. over the past 70 years. She moved here before the revolution oh. um, to go to college. Oh, nice. Or around that same time. So she wasn't fleeing the revolution or anything like that. She just moved here and she went to college and she stayed here and got a job at Bell Labs. And it's something where uh, those stories are always interesting because people project a certain yeah. image or story onto your experience. And then it's like, well, it was exciting and interesting because she was a, a woman in the 50s getting a mm-hmm. graduate degree. But yeah. at the same time, it's not the story people think it is.
1: Would yeah, you, definitely. Yeah. I Yeah, people often, when you say, like when I say that I'm an immigrant, people often assume that I have an accent or, you know, you get the little microaggression of, oh, your English is so good. Oh, or, yeah. Do you <laughs> or, get that a lot? Uh, when I was a child, yes. Now oh, yeah. that I'm older, uh, not so much. Or people assume that you have to, like, translate for your parents. No, my my mother learned english on her on her own she studied german in college she's really good with languages or the idea that we're like really poor and struggling to get by or like the areas that we live in because we always lived in the suburbs and yeah yeah like white suburbs of the u.s so you feel that disconnect between other people who do have that story and it's like damn uh
0: (laughs) do you feel like that's like a double alienation then where you have a disconnect yes. from people who have that story and then you're in these like predominantly white areas.
1: Yeah, cuz I don't feel like it's a difference in uh, like I know being a person of color here in the US, you have a different experience than people who are uh white. But yeah. there's still layers in within that where sometimes you feel it almost feel like you don't have that joint identity of oppression. If I went to a good school, I had a lot of friends. My parents were well respected in their in their communities. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could say we assimilated pretty well, while also retaining parts of our culture. Like we, I never had the experience. At least, not that I remember. Of getting some random person to be like, you're in America, speak English. Like,
0: oh, okay, that's, I so mean you, that's good.
1: Yeah, I, I mean it's a positive. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna say like, I wish I had that, but right, you feel that disconnect from a group that you really want to connect to.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. And Tucson has like a really unique character to it. I think. Yeah. Um, although I'm not, I'm not as familiar with like Graham County, and so I don't know how distinct the Tucson area is from that, but compared to Phoenix, it's, it's a pretty unique place. Mm -hmm. When you moved to Tucson and and then growing up in Tucson, what was it like for you?
1: Um, I didn't really think much of it. I mean, a lot of the reasons why we moved here is because a lot of our friends were moving here, like Mm. family friends, because my parents weren't the only people to move like from Chile because of, because of work. We had other friends within the company or other stuff. And they all started moving to Tucson as well because work. And I guess opportunities were better, so that's why we moved. And I don't know, I I didn't really think much of it because, again, I was a pretty small Like when we moved to Tucson.
0: That makes sense.
1: I just kind of thought of it as, oh, man, all my friends over here are not going to be with me, but I'm going to make new friends here. Yeah. Yeah, but it was... One thing that was interesting, though, is... The diversity. You see different religions, different different types of people, different orientations, things that I wouldn't even think were a thing, mainly because I was a child, but also because of the environment I was living in for, like, the first nine years of my life. Right, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, like for once, I could go to I could go to school and say, "Oh my God!" without the entire class uh, getting mad at me for saying the Lord's name in vain. Oh,
0: right, that's a good yes. point. Even really simple stuff. Like yeah, that. really
1: simple stuff that. Because yeah. um, we're not my family is never Mormon, so like I was raised Christian, but there is that disconnect too. But yeah, there is. It was easier to kind of settle in Tucson. Yeah,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Tucson has like it's not a huge city, but. It's it's a good sized city for sure, and it's it's something where I think it it has the character of a of a bigger city in a lot of ways in terms of just it feels really queer like there's something <laughs> yeah. kind of like gay in like the core of Tucson especially, in a really cool way.
1: Especially the high school that I went to, we were it was so I I wasn't in like Tucson like downtown Tucson mm-hmm. like you know how here in like Phoenix. We're not in Phoenix right now. We're in Chandler, right? Exactly, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, gr- I lived in, like, Marana and went to school in Oro Valley, okay, which is around yeah. that time, which is pretty, you know, pretty big suburb, pretty, like, higher income area. But, yeah, there was a lot of queerness in the high school that I went to. And the environment, it was, it was much easier to be queer where I was living, oh, yeah. at least amongst your friends, like... Nobody, none of us really got the experience where we'd, like, get bullied for being, bullied for not being straight or anything. Like, there was some transphobia, but...
0: In your high school? Yeah. From other students or from, from like, an administrative standpoint?
1: um, uh, From other students, from myself, because we didn't know any better. Oh, yeah. And we didn't even know ourselves. Yeah. So, but it's... It's a different experience, I guess. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, that's a really interesting thing that you're getting at is uh, sometimes before we really figure things out, we'll contribute to the problem.
1: Yeah. Um, I pride myself on how much I've changed because I really started to be... um, I feel like when I, I was more aware of things during the 2016 election, however... I was more on the right back then, so I had a lot of, I had a lot of prejudices, I had a lot of things that I didn't understand, a lot of internalized, like, homophobia, all the phobias. Uh, Right. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got older and stepped out of my shell and spoke to different types of people that I realized that you kind of learn from that. Yeah. And you try to, like, yeah, I can't undo that I was really mean and really not the best person back in middle school, but you just grow up and be better.
0: Right, I think that is what growing up is about, Mm -hmm. is being open to change and and acknowledging your mistakes. Also, I have to think, I mean, the 2016 election was almost seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. It's not like you were an adult who had had a lot of time to, like, settle into your political opinions.
1: Yeah, I was was 12 with uh, my mom still checking over my, like, private Instagram account. And, yeah, I being in a conservative family as well, so.
0: Do you think that's where the different phobias, like transphobia and homophobia, that that you were feeling and expressing came from, just the environment you were in?
1: The environment, um, I guess the internet counts as that environment, too. Mm. Um, it's really easy to fall into echo chambers. I mean, for context, I my mom and I would, like, watch debates together, or I started... Uh, watching a lot of, like, right-wing online content creators. Oh, yeah. And when you're 12, you don't really know what's... You don't know what is right, what's fair, what's not. You're not really that well-versed in empathy. So when you see Ben Shapiro laughing at, uh, like, making fun of this college student for uh, being too emotional or something, you think you kind of join in on that mob mentality because it's fun to see someone else get roasted or laughed at
0: right yeah, I, mean, I mean there's the a heart. whole comedy genre of a roast and yeah it, it's usually in good faith and then if it's the first time you're coming across it why are you going to assume something's wrong with it i guess yeah
1: or also maybe you think huh this guy's speaking fast he's seems very factual he's very oh. logical thinking yeah and this this girl over here she's very emotional getting mad and yelling so you're a little uh little child brain immediately gears yeah. toward the logical guy
0: <laughs> where did you find like ben shapiro
1: oh just on youtube i just on youtube i, I grew up with the internet so yeah. it was so easy and i i had a crush on a guy back in like middle school and he was very right wing <laughs> hmm. and he would like send me links and stuff and i started watching things and it was it's so easy to fall into the like anti-SJW rabbit hole that was really popular back in 2016 slash 17.
0: Yeah oh, it was it was all over the internet.
1: Yeah and it was all fun and games until you realize that you fit into the category of the people you're making fun of.
0: Yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah when did you hit that realization?
1: Uh realizing that I was bisexual and probably just being aware of like intersectionality and mm-hmm. like yeah sure just because of Like the disconnect that I told you before that I didn't experience certain types of oppression. That doesn't mean that other people didn't experience that. Like I got lucky. That doesn't mean other people of color were as privileged as I was to grow up in this type of environment. Yeah. And also just kind of shedding my like not like the other girls internalized (laughs) misogyny kind of thing. And I guess just developing empathy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But developing empathy... (laughs) Takes work. It I think. does. It it's, does. It's not just something that happens naturally. Yeah. It can be easy to just say, "But I enjoy the the camaraderie of of bullying that like Ben Shapiro creates, right?" Mm-hmm. And then not go any farther than that. Like, th- there's nothing that says you you have to develop empathy. I think we make choices to develop empathy.
1: Yeah. A lot of it was just making different friends at school. Yeah. From different backgrounds. Like, I used to be the the token conservative friend for a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, then I wasn't. <laughs> it was a very gradual process. Yeah. But also experiencing, like, the reaction that I got when I first came out mm. um, made me realize that, oh, uh, these people are not my friends. These people are not supportive yeah. of me. I'm more of, like, a bargaining chip for a movement by being the Hispanic queer who's conservative. (laughs) Right. Like, (laughs) you're
0: the token person that they can use. Yeah, they
1: can use, like, hey, we're not not hateful. Look at this person. She's one of us. Yeah. But in reality, no, they're not your friends. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, and did you expect it to be a problem for that group of people? Or did you expect them to be like, sweet, this is great. Now we have this token.
1: (laughs) I expected to be... I expect it to be liked and accepted because Mm. I, well, I had my prejudices. One thing that I wasn't was homophobic. Yeah. Like, I didn't understand any of it ever since I was a child. Like, my dad would say, like, oh, yeah, Uh, he talked to me because I didn't know who Freddie Mercury was as a child. And I started listening to Queen. And my dad was like, yeah, he's a man who likes other men. And I thought, huh. And when gay marriage was legalized, uh, I kind of didn't really think much of it. I was more just repeating what my family was saying, despite being like, I don't really care. (laughs) Yeah. What's the big deal? Yeah. So when I first came out as bisexual, uh, I did not expect to be ostracized by my family or by people that I used to call friends at the time or by the internet even.
0: Oh, how did that play out online?
1: Um... Well, you, you get the usual, people say it's just a phase or you're like, you're gay, but you're not like fully committing or you're straight, but you want to experiment, the usual. Right. I'd get, you know, online, it's really easy to be called a slur and stuff. <laughs> even if it doesn't yeah. apply, even if it doesn't apply to you, like I got it's... my fair share of like the D slur, even though that's not mine. <laughs>
0: right. They'll, they'll <laughs> but, just pick whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, you'll just, they'll
1: just pick whatever. Um, it was, it wasn't that impactful. It was more what I was seeing in my own home. Uh, that really affected me I was able to kind of find my own little space online being you know in 2017 uh being in middle school the little like baby gay as you'd call it yeah <laughs> yeah with your little flower crown and your like pastel aesthetic that you liked online yeah. I was that kid I was very annoying
0: <laughs> no that's amazing
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta go through that phase before you figure out who you really are
0: <laughs> yeah I think you know I mean People will use the word phase, especially towards bi people. Yeah. But, like, we do go through phases. Yeah. It's, it's not like our identity is a phase, but of course we go through phases We're people yeah, We're even changing.
1: What we believe in or how we express ourselves. Like, online, you'll always find people on TikTok being annoying and dressing in all rainbow. Or when you think of the Target, like, during Pride Month, oh, they came yeah. out with that rainbow suit. Mm-hmm. You, like, laugh at it. But then you think... Well yeah, there's there's this one like 11-year-old who's closeted and thinks when I'm gay, I want I want to wear that everywhere. Yeah. When I come out, I want to wear that everywhere. Yeah, Cuz that really was me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> loudly gay all the time.
1: I draw like little rainbows, like the little stripes on my uh, fingers in Sharpie with my best friend at the time. That's so fun. Yeah, I'd uh, I went to a Panic at the Disco concert, and <laughs> that's probably the queerest thing you could do back in the late late 2010s.
0: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's also kind of just a I don't know Tucson experience on some level. <laughs> like that can happen anywhere, but there's something like extra Tucson about it to me.
1: Yeah, like. My parents could rip down my bi flag and tell me they wouldn't allow me to bring in a girl ever to their house, but Mm. I could leave, go to school and be with all my friends. We were all like gender fluid and yeah, (laughs) yeah, we'd all be supportive. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, I, I had a similar experience, right? I was conservative for a while and I came out as bi and found out Oh, I, I didn't think they would necessarily have a huge problem with this, and they do. <laughs> yeah. uh, partly because I I didn't really ever get the homophobia. Mm-hmm. I, like I didn't understand where it was coming from. And and then later on when I when I figured out some more gender stuff and came out that way, I realized like, oh yeah, no, there's a there's a total disconnect here. Mm-hmm. But I I did have more complicated feelings about gender politically when I was oh, conservative. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, so then it sounds like you also had a process to go through with gender that was that was maybe different from the process coming out as bi.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, again, I didn't understand. Like, I was like, hmm, I can see myself dating a girl and boom, I'm bi. Uh, right. <laughs> but, you know, you, you never really understood. You, were, you grew up, there's only two genders. You grew up with all that sort of thing. Yeah. Even when somebody transitioned, you'd be like, you'd think they were weird like why are they wanting to be something else yeah you don't get it um well
0: I didn't know anyone who transitioned
1: I didn't either but I you know had the internet
0: right I,
1: we had um you'd make fun of people like it was particularly trans women even to this day they're probably very targeted <laughs> Yeah, definitely. um but even back then you'd make fun of a like a trans woman or a calling them like a bunch of names, a bunch of stuff, and that's what I grew up with.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, also, the like uh, toxic masculinity of, you're girly if you're a guy. Like, guys like this, Like you are. Right. if a guy acts even remotely different, he's gay, he's a, he's a cross-dresser, all these things. Yeah. So you have these very set, I also have very black and white thinking, and you have these very set perceptions of what what, what a guy is, what a girl is. And well, I thought, yeah, girls could dress differently, but like I didn't think that same way for guys. Right. And
0: there's different so, rules. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So that was one thing. And then realizing, hmm, I'm a little different too. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, so when I had people come out to me as non-binary, I was so confused. I, I, I admit I wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. I had in middle school there was this person he. Last time I knew of him, I believe he used he, him pronouns, um, he transitioned. And it was, like, the first, like, trans person that I've ever met in my life. Oh, and man. I thought they were just confused. thought he was just trying to be someone else. Because he took up a name. We were into the same things. And he changed his name to something, uh, like, named himself after, like, a celebrity or, or something that we both knew. Which, totally within his right, but me right. being... A little brat i was like no he's just looking for attention and even to this day like i wonder how he's doing because i still really want to apologize for that because yeah. i wasn't the only one who was acting that way right. and i bet his experience at the school that we went to wasn't the best and i kind of wish it was but now he's doing well and realizing last year uh that oh hey when i think of myself Like, we all have this image of ourselves in our head, like, how we look like. Yeah. Like, maybe you have long hair. Maybe you have a certain, like, piercing that you want to get. Mm -hmm. I saw myself with, like, a guy's body. And I was like, um, how do we get here? Yeah. And that's something I'm still dealing with.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, it's so hard because wherever that comes from, it concentrates on the type of transphobia that exists on Mm -hmm. the internet is really separate from what it's like to be trans and what it's like to figure out gender or yeah. gender fluidity it's it's so different and it, it it focuses on these like strict categories and black and white thinking like you were saying and also like totally targets trans women so often yeah. as like a, a subject for for ridicule mm-hmm. and then when you start to figure things out for yourself, it's so irrelevant to what's real. Mm-hmm. that it, it can be hard to square the two things. You have this, like, knee-jerk reaction to all of it. And then it's just like, wait, but this is me. And it it doesn't feel like the thing that they're making fun of. It's not that. Yeah. And then where do you go from there? It's a really hard thing to figure out.
1: And also, even you have certain perceptions of what it means to be non-binary or what it means yeah. to be gender fluid or how you're supposed to act. So even that's difficult to figure out yourself where it's like, well, I, I groove with androgyny, but it's not like I feel dysphoria where I like feel that certain like emotion about my body. It's just, I don't, it doesn't feel like me or something like that or however it's described. Right. Or I still like wearing makeup and dresses and heels and I get my nails done and If someone says I'm a girl, I'm, like, fine with it. But at the same time, there's still something else. Like, can I be both? I can't be both. How do you be neither? It's so much.
0: And people figure that out in different ways for themselves Mm -hmm. all the time. I feel like also a lot of it is about finding people that you can be in community with Mm -hmm. who can provide those different templates and give you a map to move through. Yeah, Because if it's just like Ben Shapiro making fun of trans women or making fun of like people who use different pronouns or whatever, you're not actually seeing a map of what it means to move through the world. Mm -hmm. It's just a map of different ways to get made fun of. And having people in your life who are trans or gender fluid uh, is, is a really great opportunity to say, okay, well, I don't even have to be exactly like them. But now I know a version of a way to figure this out. And I can diverge in some ways and converge in other ways.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, all I knew when I back in my like conservative era (laughs) (laughs) um, was just whiny women with colored hair crying over Trump winning the election. I didn't think why they were upset. I didn't think what their problem was. I didn't think someone could feel so strongly about a political candidate.
0: Right.
1: I didn't know any of that. I just saw somebody's crying, somebody's weak. And so, yeah, it's... And it's not like you had a role model. Like, I, my mom's a feminist, mm. but you can always improve, you can always grow. Yeah. Um, but I never really had a queer role model i never had a gender non-conforming role model or a trans role model i the closest i had were dead musicians and online content creators who dyed their hair occasionally like even to this day i don't you don't really see that much only just now in media yeah and a lot of places to learn about like it's hard to explain like even now i don't have that role model like i am my own role model in a way and that doesn't feel right and it's no. weirder cuz i have younger siblings and they're curious and some ask questions that can't necessarily ask mom and dad because i'm i'm the cool one who'll give them the <laughs> <laughs> who'll go straight to brass tacks about it
0: yeah it's a challenge and it's a challenge figuring things out in your family and and defining something new that no one else has done, mm-hmm. whether you're an older sibling or, or a younger sibling, to be mm-hmm. honest. But you know, what you were saying about weakness is really interesting because a lot of where that like, Ben Shapiro bullying culture comes from, mm-hmm. I think, is about like showing I'm not weak yeah. by attacking people who are weak. And actually weakness and vulnerability can be a really good thing and positive thing. I know you had a friend who transitioned. After that, did you have any other friends who came out? Yeah,
1: yeah. I I, I had a lot of friends who were non-binary, um, who were going, who were questioning their gender. Who we were the test dummies for whatever new name they were picking out. Yeah, that kind of thing. So then, um, did that
0: help?
1: Yeah, you just see how human the experience is. It's not. Yeah. This sensationalized thing uh, that media or other people or even your parents try to tell you, it's not—it's not a man wearing a skirt trying to get into the ladies' bathroom. It's somebody thinking, "Hmm, I think the name Amy sounds good."
0: Right. It's or it's pretty simple.
1: Hmm, I think. Even just people's uh, preconceived notions of what transitioning means. Like, you'll see the news. Why can't we let... Why are we letting kids go through this life-altering surgery when you know transitioning is so many steps?
0: So many steps. And so
1: many people don't even do all those steps. Some even just slap on different pronouns and call it a day. Others change the way they dress and their name. Others go all the way and maybe get surgery or go on hormones.
0: Yeah. And it's all different combinations.
1: Yeah, it's... It's very fluid in a way. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know that was a thing until I really just started talking to other people. And I hope that as a lot of us are getting older, people like to wave around the the percentage of how many trans people or queer people end up taking their own lives Mm -hmm. as like a badge of victory for bigotry. But I hope that as we all get older, it can be different for maybe younger people. Something as simple as your little sister asking you, hey, I think this video game character is pretty.
0: Yeah.
1: Something that is acceptable. Mm-hmm. I,
0: I really hope so. You know, the effect a lot of this can have on our mental health... absolutely, is, ...is something that, you know, we've learned to live with to a certain degree and we've found ways to cope with, but is awful to see new generations... Of young queer people go through the same thing that we yeah. have to go through
1: you think the cycle stops with you but even then what if there's something that I am that I'm prejudiced against that I didn't even know was bad there's always yeah <sighs> yeah and I don't know but the cool thing is that there's a lot of media while there was a lot of right-wing media that's even still popular to this day yeah um, and very very lucrative. There's a lot of left wing media and a lot more queer like films and musicians and content creators that just sit down and talk about things that people didn't want to hear or things that I wish I had seen when I was younger. I wish that if I I wish that I had found these creators. I wish they were prominent when I was younger. Like, I think, I wonder how different I would have been if I had come across, like, certain, like, Twitch streamers if if I was, like, 12 instead of Ben Shapiro.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it can make a a huge difference. And I think, you know, ultimately what you were saying about what if there's things I'm prejudiced about that I don't even know yet. It sounds like what you've learned and and learned, I think, a long time ago is that you might be wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you should listen to people around you who have different experiences.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, um, everyone's got their blind spots. But, like, one thing that's really, like, a popular discourse is, like, neo pronoun debates among, like, the queer community. Yeah. Either you love them, you hate them, you use them, you don't. At this point, it's like, whatever. I- I'm not the one going by those names. Maybe Maybe I'm not really used to seeing a pronoun that's not he she or they but at the end of the day they're words
0: right what's so wrong about it yeah so
1: yeah yeah, at the end of the day it is just a word
0: yeah well so you're an asu student now right so when you moved up here did you worry about leaving all the friends you had made behind
1: no um not at all i was excited to meet new people that's great. Um, I, yeah, I I didn't, I mean, there's the age of the internet. It's, That's also true, yeah. Yeah, I I still talk to, like, my ex-roommate and stuff like that, even if we don't live together anymore. Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, That's a good point. You've got friends overseas, you've got friends across state lines.
0: It, I guess it's pretty easy at this point. I mean, one of the things I think about ordinarily when I think about, like, my experience of going to college is, like, am I going to be able to find community here at all? Or am yeah, I going to be isolated? I, and I don't even know if that really applies today or, or does it?
1: it? It it does. It definitely okay, does. Okay. I'm, everyone's got their own different stories, but it's really hard uh, when you deal with your own mental health. Um, like last semester, I don't really have much of a support system anymore. And so I was practically living like a hermit. I didn't leave the house for, like, months. I think, uh, yeah, I didn't go to class. Um, Community, even then, community was still something that was really hard to find. The most community-oriented thing I did last semester was I attended a protest. There was, Mm. um, in the design building back in August, September, there was this going to be this speaker. I forget what his name was, but he was one of those... The white race is getting washed out. He was. Oh, oh, yeah. No, he was mask off. Like
0: a great replacement theory. Great, great.
1: That's the thing. He was a very big great replacement theory type guy. I. Yeah. No. So, I attended a protest. It wasn't the most. It wasn't the best organized, and there were a lot of people. There were random old men wearing like Confederate flag shirts, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't even united and it didn't even succeed. The cops were there. You just prevented we couldn't go in. You couldn't oh, you couldn't yeah. stop the guy from talking. You just had to sit there and watch as within the walls that I had class in, the next day there was this man talking about how the white race is being ex- go, is going extinct and being replaced. I <sighs> and on my own campus. Yeah. So that really help really makes you feel disillusioned with where you, Where are you putting your money? You know, I'm giving a lot of money to this place for my education, but why is that money going towards allowing these types of people to speak at our place?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really valid question.
1: Yeah, like, just to think about, someone is probably sitting in my seat listening to this man speak. Right. Yeah, and so that was the most, like, community-oriented thing I did back then. This semester, the first thing I did was, like, go to the uh, drag show. The one... uh, run by uh, El Concilio. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I got the flyer for this. Uh, oh, cool. The, yeah, that's where I got the flyer for Yeah, the, for you must this have podcast. met Shelby. That, was that it? Yeah, because yeah. she walked up to me and she's like, hmm, I don't mean to assume, however.
0: You look gay. <laughs> Do you want to be on a podcast?
1: <laughs> exactly. She saw my tattoos and, and yeah. my, like, short hair and was like, hmm, I smell a queer. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. I think it's really hard to find, like, in a school of seventy-five thousand people, it's still hard to find the group that you're going to fit into. Yeah. Do you feel like you're moving in that direction after going to that drag show?
1: I. I still have a lot of phobias of being out and about. Mm. Um, I hope so, but um, I don't know. I, I'm trying to move out of my own shell. I mean, I want to be a teacher someday. So yeah, yeah. So you kind of have to work on your interpersonal skills that way. <laughs> um, yeah. And, yeah, and
0: you're studying history, right? So you want yes. to be a history teacher? Yes, I do. Oh, cool. I do.
1: I yeah. I, I always loved the subject ever since I was a child, and um, I want to work with like all ages. I want to. I want to be that person. I want to be that role model that I was talking about yeah. before. I want to be that teacher in a high school. Because I remember in seventh grade, I had an English teacher. She was bisexual, mm. and I'd never really seen a grown-up bisexual person yeah. before because everyone else I thought were just, like, kids who were going through phases. Oh, right. And I saw that, like, yeah. oh, this stuff sticks around. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And, I don't know, having that. And this teacher was also leader of, like, the the Gay-Straight Alliance that only lasted for, like, a year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because she left. Um seeing that or seeing other teachers who were queer, who were, um, different and would show you different types of people. I want to be, I want to kind of alter somebody's life that way and be really meaningful to their like, uh, experience.
0: I, I feel like history is actually a great subject. Yeah. Because if you want to show people different experiences and different lives, yeah that's the subject to do it in, right? exactly
1: exactly people like to say that oh gay people it's just such a trend nowadays because of the internet and all these uh blue hair pronoun waving uh sjws are just trying to be popular and then it's like oscar wilde exists um right a lot of like authors a lot of people in fact you read biographies of russian czars and kings and you see how close they were with their one male best friend and you think <laughs> yeah <laughs> hmm, that's not really much of a trend now is it or you see there was this case i don't know this person's name i don't know her name but oh, okay. there was this back in like the 50s there was this trans woman who after fighting the war she transitioned and she was viewed as like a medical miracle you could see the you could see like the newspapers being like she's a girl now and she was, she's beautiful. Um, and you'd think it was, I don't know her name off the top of my head. I'm going to find it. Yeah. But she transitioned, changed her name, everything. It wasn't just like a, it wasn't just like breaking norms of like dressing differently. It was a full on transition.
0: I think it might've been Christine Jorgensen.
1: Was that, was that it? I yeah. think so. I think so. But, um, do you have like a picture? Cause I could, yeah. I could recognize it.
0: The headline was, like, G.I. Joe to G.I. Jane. Yes, that's
1: her, that's her. Yeah, but you see examples like that throughout history that the world was different. That she was, like, allowed by society to do this, and you wonder, what went wrong? What changed? Because if that was how life was, at least for her, why couldn't it be that way for everyone? Why are these statistics of, like, trans suicide so high?
0: And you know, even looking a little before that, a lot of people point to some of the the places that existed in Germany for trans community mm-hmm. and, and trans healthcare, and they were pretty much the first to be shut down by the Nazis. So. Yeah,
1: or you think in various indigenous communities, how they view gender, um, that is not as black and white and binary as Western society views it, and yeah. how different cultures were shut down, and if they weren't, maybe we'd see a lot more like a different acceptance, right, yeah, because like for ages for ages, indigenous communities have certain ones, like the concept of being two spirit I believe
0: that that's one version, yeah, yeah. that's one
1: version, um, but yeah. It's interesting.
0: It is really interesting. I think it's really cool to study. Sometimes, like you mentioned Oscar Wilde, I read the transcripts of the case where he was convicted of being gay, basically. Mm-hmm. And for one, it's Oscar Wilde, so it's incredible to read his comments. <laughs> yeah. But it also just felt so contemporary. Mm-hmm. And when you get more detail on the past, it's just cool to see, like, oh, that I would have been friends with that person. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's kind of... It's just fun, and it's interesting, and I think that as a teacher, you can make that fun and interesting for kids, which is then really rewarding.
1: Yeah, like, it's so weird that I only learned about Alan Turing through a movie with Benedict Cumberbatch in it, and not through history class until, like, my senior year of high school that somebody mentioned it. Yeah. And the interesting thing about the internet is you don't even feel like it needs to be taught because you all know. Like we've all seen we've all seen a beautiful mind. We don't really need to know that much about uh, about um what's his face, John Nash right uh, <laughs> but
0: but there is more to there that. is there is yeah. more
1: to it. you didn't you wouldn't think that what happened to Alan Turing after they found out that he was gay was possible. you yeah. don't think that's possible
0: it, It's remarkable. Mm-hmm. People will talk about Turing and not even mention that he was basically killed by the state. Yes,
1: absolutely. Like, yeah, he was a genius, and he helped um, the Allies a lot. Yeah. But why make no mention of something that's so bl- glaringly there? Yeah. It's like looking at this wall and not believing that there's blue on it.
0: Right. <laughs> well, and it was something that was actually suppressed for decades. Yeah. And and that's part of the problem, I think. Right now in Arizona, and and in Arizona's history, there's been a lot of different kinds of policies and legislation to restrict what kinds of histories you yeah. can teach, like the mm-hmm. Mexican American studies ban and mm-hmm. anti-CRT stuff, which is just a weird label that doesn't make sense, I, but
1: I have many choice words to say about that decision.
0: Yeah. And so all of that sets up a situation which wanting to become a history teacher is like wading into a whole battle
1: yeah, because I remember what it was like for my teachers that many of them did want to teach more. Many of them did want to change up their curriculum, but things like the college board didn't allow it because these were like AP classes or the school board didn't allow it. Yeah. Or you'd get an angry an angry parent being like, how dare you teach this even though, even though their child's like a legal adult and you can't really control that. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: so were you worried or are you worried about what it's going to be like when you eventually become a teacher?
1: Oh, absolutely. I first off, just as a job, I know what it's like. <laughs> Education in Arizona is not the best to put no. it lightly. And many people I've I've seen, I've seen it with my own eyes, many people enter wide-eyed and they leave like hating the profession, hating what they're doing. Yeah. But I, and curriculum-wise, yeah, I see it. How, like, how am I going to even talk about a book that I like? if What if it's going to be banned, you know? Yeah. Um, how am I going to give assigned readings? How am I going to give certain pamphlets? Like, how how are we going to let people teach? One thing that I've seen teachers do is if they can't teach it in their curriculum, they'll have, like, a final project where we get to choose... A topic that kind of pertains to the subject matter and will present it oh yeah so i've taken this time i've done it twice now to talk about like what's going what happened in like latin america in chile in particular because it's never taught um i've had other students talk about argentina or other things and that's i think that's a wonderful way to get students to learn and also share parts of their own history right because, well, because that's personal. Yeah, that for it's, you. it's personal, and and I don't know. Everyone leaves smarter, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> so,
1: so yeah, I think with all this like ban on curriculum, I think that's the way to go—to let the students create the class and. I think to, that's
0: just a great way to teach a class. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, let them know what they want to yeah. learn,
1: and talk about what they don't often hear. Yeah, because there's so many. You have students from the Middle East, you have students from different parts of Asia, not necessarily just like China or Japan. You have people from you have people from Africa.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I I had a classmate from Ghana and like that kind of history, that's the stuff I wanna learn about. Right. The most interesting thing is I had a teacher, she I had a history teacher in like middle school. She was the best. And she lived in Zimbabwe for a long time. Okay. Uh yeah, she married a man there had children, basically, like, she knew a lot about their culture. She would integrate that into her lessons about, like, fun facts, or, yeah, back when I was living in Zimbabwe, this is, like, (laughs) this is what they would do. And I think that sort of thing is amazing. Yeah. When your curriculum does, when your school or government doesn't let you say certain things.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I worry that, you know, for queer people who want to become teachers... Oh, boy. <laughs> the the risk is that they're actually going to be required to hide their own personal experience.
1: Yeah. I've seen, it's, what's so funny is I've seen straight couples, like, get married in their classroom. Like, not like an official wedding, but, you know, she'll, teacher will show up in her, like, little wedding dress, and she'll oh. bring the groom, and, like, the kids will get to dress all nice, and it's adorable. Yeah. But imagine if a lesbian teacher wanted to do that. Yeah. They're showing, they're grooming the kids, you know?
0: <laughs> right. No, Ben Shapiro would grooming make hypothetically a million dollars the kids. off of a YouTube video about that.
1: Yeah, or yeah. having a trans teacher have, like...
0: It's hard for trans people to be teachers, period. It's hard for trans a lot of people to be, <laughs> That's true. Yeah,
1: yeah, like, and I hope that, I want to remain hopeful that mm-hmm. maybe the profession and education will be more inclusive and more, I guess, better, yeah. for lack of a better word. But it's hard to remain hopeful when you see those bans on, like, critical race theory. Or in Florida, they did something to even ban, like, Jewish studies?
0: I haven't seen that I oh I, my
1: God. I take it with a grain of salt because I don't know all the facts about that one. But banning those sorts of things or how textbooks are written... yeah. It's really depressing when you yeah. want to change someone's perspective on things and then at risk of being fired
0: <laughs> right but you have the experience of changing your opinion on a lot of different things so yeah
1: that's why I remain hopeful I mean if if uh, oh, there's a quote from what like a video game character like is it better to I'm paraphrasing it but like is it better to remain? Like be virtuous all your life, or to learn from your past evil, or something. I don't know. He was a dragon, but
0: <laughs> I love
1: that. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, I'm not a beacon of morality by any means, but I think the human mind is very moldable, for better or for worse. But yeah, I don't know. Society is simultaneously ebbing and flowing, both right and left. Yes. On one hand, on on one hand, you can see you can. Hold hands with your like partner, no matter what their gender orientation is, mm-hmm. in public, depending on where you are. Um, right. <laughs> that is, yeah. It's kind of privilege of me to say that you can do it because, eh. but we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. I,
0: th- I think there's reason for hope in mm-hmm. what you're saying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hope that, I hope that at least my experience growing up, I hope people live like a more positive version of that. I, w- yeah. I didn't have the best coming out, but I didn't have the worst. Right. So that's improvement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think things can get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Absolutely. Thanks for talking with me today. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> of
1: course, of course.
0: Thanks again to Canella for being my guest on this week's episode of the Arizona Equals Conversation. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a rating or a review in your favorite podcast app. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of the podcast, you can sign up at equalityarizona.org stories.